0: Who is Jesus? We've been looking at the I am statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. In our small groups, we've been reading through the Gospel of John uh, these few weeks, and uh, it's exciting to see what Jesus says. He says, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the good shepherd, I am the light of the world, I am the vine, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And as you read through the Gospel of John, you realize that Jesus didn't make these I am statements in a vacuum. Uh, you know, he made them in the context of the rough and tumble of life. His I am statements are not just theological facts about who he is, they are statements about what he does for us in the midst of living our lives. See, these statements are given to provide us with hope, they're given to provide us with life. Remember, we started this series by looking at John 20, 31. It says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John says that's the whole reason for his gospel, so you can have life. That's the whole reason why Jesus Christ came. That's the whole reason for the church is so that you might believe in Christ and have life. Today, we're going to look at the I Am statement in John chapter 14, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And again, that statement is made in a context. The beginning of chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. And the context here is the trouble that we all face in life. Because we're all going to have trouble. None of us are immune to the troubles of life. And Jesus Christ knows that we're in a world where we have heart trouble. And so he offers some answers for our troubles. Now, it's one thing to get theological answers. Uh, And we need theological answers, and God provides them for us. You know, theologically, we understand when there's trouble in our lives. We understand that God allows us as believers to live in a broken, fallen world where evil things can happen. And we understand that God, if He wanted to, He could end it all right now. And then we as believers would be with Him and, and the world would be destroyed, evil would be destroyed. But the truth is that if God did that right now, it would mean that all those who could be saved wouldn't be. And so the reason for His patience, uh, 2 Peter three nine says that, that God is waiting patiently to eradicate evil so that more people can come to Him. He's waiting for more people to be saved. And meanwhile, you and I live in an evil, broken, fallen world before we go to heaven. Everything that happens to people in this world happens to all of us. You know, the sun rises and, and sets on the evil as well as the good. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Bad things happen to the evil and to the good. Now, that theological answer doesn't necessarily help my heart. You know, I need an answer that will help me see how God's going to get me through this stormy sea that my life is on. If you're going through a time of trouble where you're thinking, God, my heart is going to burst, I don't know if I'm going to make it, this I am statement is for you. Actually, it's for all of us, because we're all of us there at some point. We all face trouble. Now, the word for troubled is the word for a stormy sea. Have you ever felt in your heart that you were just adrift, that you were uh, uh, in a stormy sea? Jesus understood the storms that go on in our hearts. And so he says to the disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Now, why were the disciples' hearts troubled? Well, their hearts were troubled for the same reason that our hearts are troubled. You know, they, they, they faced some of the same things. Their hearts were troubled because of failure. You know, they had great hopes, great expectations for this ministry of Jesus. And they've just come out of the, the upper room where Jesus has said to Peter, one of the leaders of the group, said, Peter, i got to tell you, you think you're going to stay firm to the end. You think you're going to stick with me. You think you're going to be brave and courageous. i got to tell you, you're a coward and you're going to deny me. That had to unsettle the whole group, certainly Peter. And then Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. You know, they're, they're, all of a sudden they're faced with denial and betrayal and, and failure. And so their hearts are troubled. Uh, the disciples were troubled by confusion. I mean, all of a sudden, Jesus is saying some of the most troubling things. They're not sure what's going to happen next, what God's going to do next. This isn't going the way that we thought it would go. And Jesus is talking now about leaving and going somewhere, and we're not able to go with him. And that was confusing to them. Very disappointing. The disciples had a dream from the beginning. This guy's the Messiah. This guy's going to be the king of Israel. And they marched into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and everybody's waving palms and shouting Hosanna to the king. And the disciples had the dream that this is it. Jesus is coming into the city. He's going to ascend to the throne. He's going to rule the nation of Israel. He's going to rule the world. And we're going to be his right-hand men. And now all of a sudden Jesus is saying, Look, I'm leaving, guys, and you can't come with me. What does that mean? Does that mean this, you're not the king? Does that mean none of this is going to happen? Does that mean we're not going to be who we thought we were going to be? And their dream is shattered that night. The disciples also faced fear. You know, they lived under the fear of the Roman Empire. I mean, They were just constantly afraid of what the Romans were going to do to them. And now they were afraid of their own religious leaders because their own religious leaders were, were threatening to kill Jesus and, and, and threatening to kill anybody who followed him. And so all these things combined in that night for their hearts to be troubled. And Jesus Christ saw it in their eyes. And so he says to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. You know, what's your strategy when you have a troubled heart? And we've all got one. When your heart is in turmoil, there's a storm going on. What's your strategy? What's your approach? Do you just ignore it? pretend it's not there just move into the denial phase everything's okay you know you try and hide from it you know we can hide from the trouble in our hearts through alcohol or drugs or illicit sex or all kinds of things you you can hide from the trouble in your heart at work just pour your life into working hard you can hide from a troubled heart just by watching tv channel after channel or surfing the net Or maybe when you face heart trouble, your strategy is, if my heart's troubled, everybody else's is going to be too. If I'm miserable, everybody's going to be miserable. Jesus says, i I got a whole different strategy for you. When your heart's troubled, trust in God, trust also in me. That's why in John 14, he says what he says. And he's not condemning, he's not condemning our troubled hearts. It's interesting that in John 13, the chapter right before this, when Jesus talks about the fact that somebody's going to betray him, Jesus says, my heart is troubled, and he uses the very same word. Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, and my heart is at sea because of it. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus never sinned, and so evidently, having a troubled heart is not a sin. Jesus is not condemning us when our hearts are troubled, but he is commanding us to trust in Him, and to trust in God, so that our hearts can be settled. It's interesting. His tone of voice here is, it's not a suggestion. Hey, why don't you try this? It's a command. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. And then he, sa- he gives the reason for the hope. He says, I will come back and take you to be with me. You know, when your heart is troubled, you need to think about home. You Not your home on this earth or not your home where you grew up. You need to think of your home in heaven. Because Jesus says, you can count on it. I'm going to go, but I'm coming back, and I'm going to take you to be with me where I am. Because home is a place of security. Maybe a place of security that you grew up with and you look back on, or maybe it's a place of security that you were cheated out of a kid, as a kid because you grew up in chaos. But either way, we know that home is supposed to be A place of security. And Jesus is saying our true home isn't just a place in our past. Our true home is a promise for the future. Think about your real home. And when we do that, it will settle our troubled hearts. In fact, Jesus goes on, he says, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back. And take you to be with me to where I am. And you know the way to the place where I am going. You know, Jesus says, this is home. This house is a place where you are welcome. There are many rooms in it. I mean, it's not a picture of some big Victorian mansion. He's just saying, look, there's room enough there for everybody. There's there's room there for everybody. You are welcome. I mean, can you imagine the millions and millions, even billions of people who have trusted in Jesus Christ down through the ages? millions and millions worshiping god all at once i mean it, 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 there's a place for you and it's a place where you're going to be comfortable jesus says i'm preparing a place for you millions and millions and millions there but there's a room for you and it's just right because it's been personally prepared by jesus christ personally for you now i got to tell you i don't understand that yet I I don't don't know if it has something to do with the purpose that he's going to have for me throughout eternity. I don't know if it has to do with the exact place where I'm going to live in heaven for eternity. It's designed around my needs, even my dreams and hopes. But I do know this. Jesus Christ knows me better than anybody else knows me. And he has promised that he is preparing a place for me. He's preparing a place for you. It's going to be home. And he says, this place is a place where you're loved. Jesus says, I want you to be with me. I mean, doesn't it just do something to you inside to know that Jesus wants you to be with him? Home. You know, sometimes you watch the news and you just get a troubled heart. I mean, I read about things happening in the world, the stuff in the Philippines, the stuff in our own country, good grief, stuff in our own town. And, and it just troubles my heart. That's why Jesus says in John 14, 1 through 3, that, that, that you need to remember, this is where history is headed. You want to know where history is headed? You know what the final headline is going to be? The final headline is going to be, home. Home. And we'll be with Him for the rest of eternity. You know, that's, that's help for a troubled heart. And Jesus says, and you know the place where I'm going. Now, put yourself in the place of the disciples for just a minute. Jesus says, I'm preparing a big place, a comfortable place, a personal place just for you. It's going to be great, and you know the place where I'm going. Imagine that you get an invitation in the mail, a real classy invitation. You open it up, and it's an invitation to the greatest dinner party ever. And it says, we're going to take off in a Learjet. We're going to fly to Hawaii for pineapple appetizers. And then we're going to fly to Boston for lobster. And then we're going to have, for dessert, it's going to be baked Alaska in Alaska. I mean, this is going to be the greatest event ever. And then down on the bottom of the invitation, it says, you know where we're going to meet, see you there. But you don't know where we're going to meet. (laughs) What do you do? Man, I know what I do. I'd be on the phone. Where is it? How do I get there? Where are we going to meet? You know, that's the position the disciples were in. Jesus is saying, it's a great place, it's home. He says, you know the way. And Thomas, bless his heart, Thomas speaks up and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? It's one of two questions that turn death into hope. Thomas says, how do we know the way? And Thomas, you know, he's doubting Thomas, but he's not doubting here. He's just being honest. I mean, you ever been in a situation where you're in a group of people and somebody says something like, well, you know when the test is going to be, or you all know where we're going to meet, or you all know what we're going to do next, or you all know what you need to bring, but the truth is nobody knows. Happens in staff meetings all the time. I'll say something and uh, nobody knows what I'm talking about. Okay, You've been in that situation, and that's where Thomas is. And, and, but Thomas had the courage to speak up say, Lord, i got a question. I, I don't know the way how do we get there? And Jesus rewards an honest question with one of the most powerful verses in all the New Testament, John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. He's saying that the way is a person. You know, the way is not a principle, it's not a plan, it's not a lifestyle, it's not a list of rules, it's not an inner security, it's not a philosophy, it's not feeling, it's not religion, it's a person. Jesus is the way. He's not just a teacher of the way, he's not just a teller of the truth, he's not just an example of how to live. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to the Father. And if I want for my heart to be settled, it happens by placing my trust in Jesus Christ himself. Because no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And throughout history, lots of people have claimed to know the way, but only Jesus is the way. And lots of people have claimed to have a hold on the truth, but only Jesus Christ is the truth. And lots of people want to tell you how to live your life, but only Jesus Christ is the life. Now, you might hear that and think, so Jesus is the only way? Isn't that that a little narrow-minded? You know what? First of all, the truth is narrow. Truth is narrow. You know, there there, there are right answers and there are wrong answers. Truth is narrow. You know, even the phone company is narrow-minded. If I want to call my wife, I have to dial the same seven numbers every time. In fact, I have to dial the same seven numbers in the exact same order every time. I mean, I just think that's (laughs) narrow-minded. I'd just be able to dial whatever numbers I feel like dialing. I'm going to call Katie. Let me see, that'd be H-O-T hot. You know, the highway department, the highway department is narrow-minded. I mean, you get out here on the roads, you want to get on I-49 out here, you've got to use exits and entrance ramps. You can't just drive out there and get on. And they got all these signs on there that say one way, and do not enter, and wrong way. I mean, that's narrow-minded. You know, I go to the doctor. You know, I take medication. And you know, these guys mixing up the medication. Talk about being narrow-minded. I mean, man, you—they've know, got to use just exactly the right thing. I mean, you—they know, just can't whip something up. I go in for a heart procedure. You know, I don't want them winging it on my heart procedure. I don't want somebody doing willy-nilly a, a colonoscopy on me. I mean, there's a way to do these things. Truth is narrow. And we see that in almost every area of life. And then all of a sudden, when it comes to getting to God, we just think, "Woo! it's just whatever you feel, whatever you want. God's on top of the mountain. There's many paths. Just pick one and wander up there. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. He says, this is too important. It's a matter of life and death. It's the difference between heaven and hell. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. Because, you see, Adam and Eve truly sinned. And they brought true death into the world. And Jesus truly came into the world. And He truly died on the cross. And He truly rose from the dead. There is truth to it. Now, there's an honest question that we need to consider when we say that. And and that is, what about all the sincere people in the world? Because, honestly, I know some people who are unbelievers who live better than people who are believers. You know, what about those people? Well, you can look at the world in one of two ways. One way you can look at the world is the world is a place with some pretty good people and some pretty bad people and a lot of people in between. And and the people at the top of the scale, they ought to be able to please God. They ought to be able to go to heaven. And the people at the bottom of the scale, you know, they're not going to please God. They're out. And then the people in the middle, we're just not sure about You know, that's one way to look at the world, but that is not how God looks at the world. God does not look at the world as a scale from from good to evil. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve rebelled, disobeyed, when they bit into that forbidden fruit, it was more horrible than any of us could recognize, because it brought about the fall, the death of all mankind. Since Adam and Eve, every person who has been born has been born spiritually dead. We are born separated from God. We are born headed to an eternity apart from Christ, apart from God, apart from heaven. That's how we come into the world. It's not a matter of being good and evil. It's the fact that we are all dead. We are dead in our sin where every one of us is at the bottom of the scale, and there is nothing that we can do to rise above it. Nothing. And if God didn't do something on our behalf, every person that's been born into this world would be lost forever. Every person. And so God doesn't look at it as a scale where some are better than others. He looks at it as if it doesn't matter where you're at on the scale. You're all dead. You're all lost. You're all separated from me. And God must provide a way for all of us to be saved. All of us to be rescued. And so he sent Jesus Christ to be the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, you want some hope for a troubled heart? He says, I'm it. I am it. You want to get out of here alive? I'm it. Now, we might think, well, that's being exclusive. I mean, if Jesus says he's it, he's the one and only way, but the truth is Jesus is being tremendously inclusive because not only does he say that he is the way, but he says anyone, anyone who believes in him will find the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who believes, every tribe, every trunk, every nation, no matter how good, no matter how bad, no matter how, how, how beautiful, no matter how homely, no matter what, anyone who seeks Jesus Christ will find the way, the truth, and the life. Folks, that's inclusive. You know, the truth is, is if you're uncertain about how to get into heaven, it is not because Jesus has been unclear he couldn't be clearer it's interesting we read on you know philip has a, a request in verse 8 jesus says i'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but through me and, and philip says lord show us the father and that will be enough for us you know thomas asks a great question and, and gets a great answer philip makes a request and he gets a challenge back almost a rebuke from jesus You know, Philip says, show us the Father, and Jesus just fires right back. Don't you know me, Philip? (laughs) Don't you know me, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Do you not know me? And that's the second question that leads from death to hope. Because that's the question that Jesus Christ asked you today. Do you not know me? After I have been among you for such a long time, I mean, after 2,000 years of the church, after hearing about me over and over and over, after reading Bible verse and going to churches and hearing songs and all the influence of Christianity, do you not know me? I mean, Jesus has been living with Philip, teaching him, preaching, doing miracle after miracle, sermon after sermon. Philip had seen it all, and yet Philip wanted to see more. And Jesus gets to the point where he says, enough is enough. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. You know, Philip asked for one more proof, and Jesus just gets back in his face. What more do you want, Philip? Do you not know me? And if you won't believe on the basis of my words, look at what I have done. Now believe what I say, or at least believe in the miracles, but Philip, it is time to believe. Do you not know me? That's the question that Jesus Christ has for you today. Do you not know me? Do you you want the hope of heaven? Do you want a home in heaven? Do you want peace in a troubled heart? I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Trust in me. And the more you believe in him, the clearer he becomes, the more real heaven becomes. And that's how you find hope. That's how you find peace. That's how a troubled heart finds peace and hope. Because you get to know Jesus. That's how you get life. The new life, the abundant life, the eternal life that Jesus Christ wants you to have. Believe in him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. And God, I thank you that that there is a way out of this place. That there is a way into the heaven that you are preparing for us. And that you so clearly sent your son and he so clearly said to us, trust in God, trust in me, I'll get you out of this. I'll get you through whatever you experience here and you will have the hope of eternal life. You will have the hope of heaven. God, we need that so desperately in our day. Thank you for that hope. And maybe you're here today and you've come with a troubled heart. Maybe you've come and and you finally realize today, today is the day where Jesus is saying, look, do you know me or not? You've grown up in a country that, that's got a Christian heritage. You've grown up surrounded by Bible verses and Christians and churches and all kinds of things. I mean, you know about Jesus Christ. You know he came at Christmas. You know he died at Easter. You know he rose again. He couldn't be clearer. Today's the day. Today's your moment. To say, yes, yes, I believe. Jesus, you are the way. You're the truth. You're the life. And I believe in you. Father, we thank you for that hope. In Jesus' name, amen.